God has all the grace we need for us to finish our lifelong race well. That's next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. It's time for Abounding Grace, the radio outreach of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today we get right back to Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Hebrews. And if you'll recall, we've been spending considerable time in chapter 6, which is all about our spiritual maturity or growing up in our relationship with God. Pastor Ed, many of us may be pretty good at starting projects, but finishing them, well, that's another story. But boy, is it a comfort to come to realize God always finishes what He starts. Would you comment on that before we get today's message underway? Well, I have to tell you, Larry, one of the attributes of God that most encourages me is that He finishes what He starts. I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi when he said, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But it's not just a new covenant, as good as it is, it is the attribute of God. This is what he does. This is how he operates. Because you think back into the Psalms, where the psalmist writes that God will perfect that which concerns me. So I take great comfort in knowing that God is going to complete the work that he started in me, that he is the one that started right? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I mean, the theme is everywhere in the scriptures. And I would just say, let it become our theme as well, that we are known as men and women that love God, who have a passionate faith in Jesus Christ, and we keep our word that our yes is yes and our no is no, and that we too complete what we start. Thanks, Pastor Ed. And with that, let's get into our message. We're in Hebrews chapter 6 and Philippians chapter 1. The book of Philippians chapter 1 in a Bible study that I've entitled, The Grace to Finish Well. Because you'll recall we're studying through the book of Hebrews verse by verse, and we're in chapter 6 and handling the most difficult passages in all of Hebrews there in chapter 6, which led us to this sum, this sub series on the confidence and assurance that you and I can have in God for our salvation. And today I want to remind us of the goodness of God to be, that he begins something and he also finishes it. And when you think about us gathering today, it's really amazing that we're here together worshiping Jesus. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Because we do it repetitively and we do it regularly, we may miss the significance of the fact that we're here together, of all the places that we have come from, we're assembled together. The church is a miracle of the grace of God, that here we are individually coming together. It's like God saying, I'm bringing you together to worship, for encouragement, to strengthen you. Why? Because we need it. We need to be focused on our Lord from time to time on a regular basis. The Bible tells us, as we'll learn in Hebrews, we're not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together. And we've been saved from this world. God has taken us out of this world 
in order to be sent back into this world and we're gathered together as the church, but we're really individually the church so that wherever we are, we serve the Lord. And it's amazing to think of all the places that we've come from, not just physically, you know, as we come from throughout the metro area to gather here for worship, but, but your past. To think of what God saved you out of. To think of where you were before you met the Lord. I'm reminded of Psalm 40, verse 2, when it says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps, and he's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. And every one of us has a pit of despair. Every one of us knows of the mud and the mire and the muck of sin. And here we are by the grace of God, saved, renewed, redeemed, changed, changing, running. And the Bible teaches us that we're saved by grace. And you know, grace, a great way to remember the grace of God is that it's unearned, undeserved, and unmerited. There isn't one among us today that deserves what God has done for us. Does anyone want to say amen to that? I mean, it's all grace. The beginning of your salvation is grace. The finish of your salvation is grace. And everything in between. And it's a miraculous thing to be gathered together in becoming the part of the forever family of God. The forever family of God. This fellowship of believers. And today we want to be reminded of the grace of God to finish well. His sustaining work in our lives. Which brings us to Philippians chapter 1. Notice with me in verse 6. I highly encourage you to memorize this passage if this is the first verse you ever memorize, you will do well to do so. In verse 6 of chapter 1, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's work in us. That even when we are faithless and falter, when we stumble, and make mistakes. When we are faithless, God remains faithful. So turn to someone and say, God is faithful. Just say it with confidence. And turn around and tell someone else. Tell it to yourself. God is faithful. Even when I'm faithless, God is faithful. It's a good thing to be reminded of. You know, when you read through the Bible, there's a lot of illustrations, a lot of pictures to help us understand what it means to follow God. Now remember in this section of Hebrews 6, the, now the whole book of Hebrews, the, the theme really is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. How he is preeminent. He is the end of faith. That he has fulfilled the entirety of all that's required by a holy and righteous God. Not only to extend forgiveness of our sins, but to enter into relationship. There is nothing greater, nothing grander, no one, anyone, anywhere, at any time is greater than Jesus Christ. He has no other name by which someone must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. That's the big picture of Hebrews. But the, in the, here in chapter 6, there's a sub-theme, and the theme is spiritual maturity. That, that we're to grow up in our relationship with God. That when we're born again, we become spiritual babies. And as babies do, we're to grow up into maturity. 
where he tells them in chapter 6, remember, hey, by now, you guys should be teaching these things. You should be teaching the basics, but now I've got to repeat it all over again. And so there's that expectation of maturity. So with that in mind now, the Bible gives you many pictures of what it means to mature and to move forward with God. For example, there's the picture of walking. You'll often hear your relationship with God referred to as the Christian walk. And that's a picture. And it makes sense. It's a great picture. It has the implication of walking, taking one step in front of the other and making progress, going in the same direction, not staying where you were, the Christian walk. Another picture of the Christian life and maturity is one of fighting. And the Bible describes it as a good fight of faith. The Bible describes our relationship with God as involving spiritual warfare. Paul would tell young Timothy that he's to be a good soldier. And so the idea of fighting. And another picture is that of running. And the Christian's life is compared to running a race, a spiritual race. One where you start, where you continue on, and one where you'll finish. That God enables you to start, enables you to run, and enables you to finish. Now, if you know the end of this saying I'm about to share, I want you to finish it with me because it's pretty common. So if you know this, finish it with me. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's true. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I'm not sure who shared that quote, but it's becoming even more real to me knowing that finishing well is what God desires. Finishing well. We're learning, aren't we, as followers of Jesus Christ, that there are pits and perils as we run this race. Temptations and trials. Things to take us off course. Things to distract us. Things that are designed to trip us up. Or perhaps even destroy us and take us out of the race. And sometimes, sometimes we just... Sometimes we feel like we're just not going to finish. Or we're not going to finish well. Or we're not sure if we're going to make it. Or we're not sure if we can take the next step. We're not sure if we can run the next lap. The journey seems too long and too hard. But listen, church, the Christian's life is a race that we must not only run, but run well. And not just run well, but finish. And not just finish, but finish well. It's all over the Bible. It's not enough for a few years to be leading the pack and then to fall back in the end or to run off. We need to finish well as much as we need to start well. And Paul would put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Let me read it to you from the New Living. Paul writes to the church and he says, Remember that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So Paul is saying, I train, I discipline myself, I guard myself because I'm running this race and I'm running it to win. I'm running it to be better than the last lap. Notice if you're in Philippians still, go to chapter 3 with me, verse 13. Paul would write to the church in Philippi and he'd say, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do 
forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the picture here is of a runner, perhaps in the last lap of his life. Every muscle is straining, and he has the goal in sight. He's not looking back. He doesn't want to trip or be disqualified. He's running to make it, and he's running hard. And in our race, we must run and run hard and run straight and run long and run wisely. In the strength of Jesus Christ, you will finish your race. But how careful and focused we need to be. Along these same lines, once again, Paul speaking to the elders, to the leaders in the church in Ephesus, made this statement. And he was speaking of his own threat of imprisonment in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself or of any value, but I want to finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the grace of God. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at my own life especially in the last few years, as tragedy struck our home and we're just kind of realizing that things can change in an instant, in a millisecond. And I'm also looking at my life as I'm getting older. And it's very obvious to me I'm getting older, that I am closer to the finish line than I am toward when I started. And I'm noticing, I'm just seeing in the body of Christ, I'm watching people fall away, men that I greatly respected, men that I even followed or listened to and received their teaching, seeing them fall away, seeing them turn their back on God, make all, I'm just noticing in my own life that I want to finish my race. And I want to finish it with joy. I want to be a good example. I want people to follow me and finish. I don't want to be overthrown in the wilderness as Israel was. I don't want to be a casualty. I don't want to fall away. I don't want to be defeated. I don't want to be tripped up in one of those traps and one of those temptations. I want to cross that finish line. And I want to encourage you to consider the same. Now, some of you might be so young here and you go, you know, well, Ed, you know, you're old and, and you're old, so I'll worry about it when I get old. Listen, you're going to be old. If God allows you, you're going to be old like Ed one day. So just write that in your Bible. One day I'll be old like Ed. You will. And it's when you're young that you need to catch this vision. That you don't just kind of, well, you know, I, I was raised in a godly home and I'll believe in Jesus and I'll go do my own thing for a while and then I'll come back to the Lord. Don't think like that. Use your life for the things of God. As we've been taught year after year, and I go back to even as a new believer, this phrase stuck with me as Pastor Jeff taught me, and I've shared it with you countless times, and I'll do it again. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. I mean, you look back, those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a while, you look back and you'll see the things that you've done for the Lord are never wasted, that God has blessed you abundantly as you've abided in Him living your life for him. But the things that you threw out on the world, things that you kind of, you know, you know, went out and you did this for the world, you did this in the flesh, it doesn't last. It doesn't last for eternity. And sadly, the pages of the Bible, as well as our own personal experience, the pages of the Bible are filled with many who didn't cross that line. Many who had great potential. Many who started out so well, but ended so miserably. How important it is to keep your eye on the finish line, even if it's way up ahead. You know, there are people in our church that, that run marathons. Why? I don't understand. But they dig it, and they're into it. 
And as the Christian life has often been described, it's not a sprint. It's not a hundred yard dash. It's a marathon. And you know when you start a marathon, you don't see the finish line. You just know eventually in a few hours you might see it. And you run and you run and you run. And I've read of this, I personally haven't experienced it, but I've read of this, is that some point in a marathon race, the marathon runner hits something called the wall. And that's where everything in their body says, stop this nonsense. No run. You can't make it another step. And they train themselves to get through the wall. And once they get through the wall, they have what's known as a second wind. And they run as if, man, I'm going to the finish line. And even today, if you don't see the finish line up ahead, Make a determined decision that you're going to finish the race and you're going to finish it well day by day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You don't want to be one of the casualties. One of the ones that we wonder, what happened to him? What happened to her? I wonder how she's doing. We haven't seen him in a while. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, again from the New Living Translation, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers, Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day as long as it's called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. And so the good news today is that God enables us to finish the race. God enables us. It's his will, it's his strength, it's his grace. As we read in verse six, being confident. You know, Paul, when he writes this, he's in prison and he is confident in the power of God. I mean, he has no doubts. He's confident in the power of God. He's confident in the work of God among the believers in Philippi. He's confident, notice number one, that God began it. And number two, that God will complete it. And sometimes we just need people in our lives that when we're going through something, when we're battling something, that they're confident for us when we're not so confident. And so thank God for the Pauls. That maybe they're considering where they're at. They're just kind of wondering where they're at. And Paul says, look, I'm confident in you guys. When I start to pray for you, God builds my confidence and I'm confident that God started it and that he'll complete it. Paul would say it in a different way to, to the Ephesian believers in chapter two. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, isn't it true that sometimes we forget that God's at work? We forget that God's at work in our lives. We get so caught up in the here and now so caught up and overwhelmed by circumstances that it's easy to lose confidence and it's easy to forget that God's at work. I mean, think about it this way. If all there was was this life, this earth, what you're currently experiencing, I mean, if that's all there was, there was no eternity, no heaven, no hell, just this life, it would not take long for you to lose hope if that's all there was. I mean, if this is all there is, this is as good as it's going to get, you're like, no way. Because life is hard and difficult. For some of you, it's very hard and very difficult. If this is all there is, this life, and our own effort and our own strength, like if everything was dependent upon your strength, 
your ability, your thinking. Like, like for example, I was thinking of this. Some of you here today are incredibly brilliant, smart people. Like, like you, that's just how God made you. You are, the best word to describe you is brilliant. You have the intelligence of like 50 people and you can pick things up really fast and you can figure things out and you're super smart. Can you imagine if life only depended upon your brilliance? Like, like as, brilliant as, as brilliant and smart as you are, God is still brilliant still. And it's not just your, you, even though you're so smart, or maybe you have a lot of money and you're so, you will one day meet something and face something that's beyond your money and beyond your smarts. I'm so glad that it's not just this world that we're dependent on because not all of us are all that brilliant, myself included. I'm just not that brilliant. I, I struggle with, I forget things. You, you, won't, you will not believe what happened today. First time in 19 years happened today. Do you guys want to hear or should we just move on? So wake up this morning. I didn't sleep very well last night. Excuse. I didn't sleep very well last night. So I got up early this morning like I normally did. I got ready to come to church, uh, waiting for Caitlin, doing my devos, go over to the espresso machine, uh, make her her favorite drink, make me my quad shot, which is just the beginning, and turn the car on to warm it up, wait for Caitlin to come down, go over to the area of the mudroom there by the door by the garage, put my jacket on, we jump into the car, we banter back and forth like we normally do on the way to church, and we're messing around, joking, goofing off, and then we pull up into the parking lot here, I get out of the car, and Caitlin says, Dad, where's your shirt? (laughs) Yeah. I forgot to put my shirt on this morning. (laughs) Now I had my undershirt on, but I forgot my shirt, you know, because this is back when we had a campus, we met over in in Denver. Uh, We had a campus over there. We used to play, so so here's here's the mindset. You go, Ed, what are you thinking? Well, okay, this is what happens. Saturday night, I put a shirt on, I teach, I go home, I take the shirt off, I put it in my office because I'm going to wear it on Sunday morning because we used to broadcast Saturday night service over at the campus, and so I wanted to wear the same shirt that I was wearing on Saturday, so if anybody saw me, it was just, there was thinking behind it. We don't do the campus anymore, but it also saves on laundry, just so you know. And I got up today, and I wasn't in any major hurry. It wasn't any big deal. There was really no reason for this, but I forgot my shirt. And it would be a tragic incident if I taught in a white t-shirt on a Sunday morning. (laughs) It would be scandalous. Not really, but it would be weird. And if I only had my mind to depend on, For goodness sake, I didn't even remember to put my shirt on. Now, before you laugh so much at me, you might want to look at your own life a little bit (laughs) and see what we can share in common, where today we can just be grateful and thankful for God's overwhelming power in our weakness and in our mistakes. So whether you're super brilliant or not so brilliant after all, it really doesn't matter. God loves you, he made you that way, and what he began in your life, he's faithful to complete it. 
This is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. To give this a second listen, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. We know we should study the Bible, but many Christians aren't sure how to go about it or they find it less than enjoyable. Well, we picked out a resource that can help. It's from Skip Heitzig, and the book is aptly titled, How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. As the title would suggest, Pastor Skip will inspire you to enjoy studying the Bible as God intends and discover its power and relevance to your life. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. If you'd just like to make a donation and not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, we've got another study in Hebrews to look forward to tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.